Yeah. That's it. Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Today we're starting a new parak, Ha'isha Shenaflu. Today we'll be learning Daf Ayin Ches and Daf Ayin Tes We'll be going until about five lines from the bottom. I believe for tomorrow I'll just be posting and recording. Uh, no, that's not true. I don't even know. Well, no, Friday and Shabbos is going to be regular. Friday and Shabbos is going to be regular. On Sunday, I'm probably going to be posting and recording. Um, maybe Mosei Shabbos, I'll post a shir, something like that. And then on Monday and Tuesday, we'll be on time for Daf Yomi, whatever the appropriate Daf is. And uh, that is what we will be doing. There is a share tomorrow? No, no, no. No share tomorrow. No share tomorrow. An extra share Sunday to catch up, which is good because I'll have time. There should be one somewhere. I don't have one. Yeah, there might be a small one. So we're starting a new parak now, and this parak is going to be speaking about nichse milug. It's going to be speaking about um, items that a woman brings into a marriage. And typically speaking, the general rule is that that which a woman brings into a marriage, she owns the principle of it, and her husband gets to benefit from the payros from the fruits of it. Although sometimes, as we'll see today, the principle is actually the fruit, and the and the fruits are actually something else, as we'll see uh, on the bottom of the next page. So let's get started with a new Mishnah to try and learn some of the parameters of the Nichse Malug, to learn some of the parameters of when a woman fully owns the rights to the uh, to the Nichse Malug, to the, <laughs> to the principle of which she brought into the marriage, and sometimes she doesn't. Ha'isha shenaflu la nechasim, a woman who gets uh, properties, if she gets the properties before she is ever engaged, she's a single girl and she gets these properties. That she is allowed to sell it and she is allowed to keep, keep give away the items and keep the proceeds. It is absolutely clear in a way it is her property. No questions asked. However, if she became the owner if she became the owner of these items only after she get, gets engaged, that is a machlokas between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. And there, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, Beis Shammai Omrim Timkor, she's allowed to sell this item. And Uveis Hillel Omrim Lo Timkor, he says, you should not sell this item. You should not be able to sell the, the Nechse Malug, these items that you're bringing into the marriage. And as a qualification for this machlokas, the Mishnah writes, elu elu modim They all agree that if she does go through with the sale, that in fact the sale counts. In other words, it really fundamentally is hers. Amar Rabbi Huda, I disagree with something, but we don't yet know what he disagrees with. Amar Rabbi Huda, Amru Chachamim Lifnei Rabban Gamliel, I don't understand. They argue against either Beis Hillel or Beis Shammai, and we'll find out in the Gemara who. Once it's true that he merits to be married to this woman, why wouldn't he then also earn the rights to the property? I don't understand. Typically speaking, we assume that the Nichse Maluk, that the, the payros of the Nichse Maluk belong to the husband once they're married. So why over here are we saying that she's able to sell the item? So Amar Lahem, Rabban Gamliel says back to the Chachamim, and this line will require a little bit of interpretation, and it also requires a little bit of material that we haven't learned yet. He says to them, We're already embarrassed about the new rules, which we're about to see in a moment, which is that a woman is not allowed to sell her nechse malug, even though it's hers. You're even bringing back some of the some of the old uh, some of the old things, referring to the fact that a, a woman would have to possibly sell 
uh, would have to not be able to sell something that actually belongs to her. And in that case, the sale would actually be valid. So then says the Gemara as follows. What if Naflula Mishanises? What if she only got these products after she was already married? So then, Elu Elu Modim, both Beishamai and Beishilil agree, she There, she's literally not allowed to sell them. And if she sells them, then the husband is allowed to go to the buyers and say, my wife did not have the right to sell these things, and I'm taking back what is rightfully mine. The sale was not a sale. Um, that would be left between the the seller and the buyer, but the husband was just a bystander who lost out. She sold his item, so they'd have to work that out. I presume so. I presume so. I don't know. Don't know. But they agree in that case. What about the next case? Let's say Ajaloni says she got the uh, these products into her possession uh, before she was married, but Venises, and then she got married. Then can she sell them? So sure, she's straddling uh, the actual marriage date. Rabban Gamliel Omer, that im, im is always a language of bidiyevet, im mach rabbanos nakayim, bidiyevet, if she sells it, it's good. Amr of Hanina ben Akavia, Amr lifnei Rabban Gamliel, and we're going to see over here the same language that we saw over there. What did we? What did they say over here? Amr lifnei Rabban Gamliel, hol v'zachah b'isha, lo yizke ben Echasim. I don't understand. Why is it that he is not going to get it? In other words, why is it that we're saying that the sale in this case, that she's allowed to actually sell, even Bidyevet, why is it that Bidyevet, she's allowed to sell these items? After all, if he's married to her, then why doesn't he keep the possession of the Nechassim? So Amar Lehem, Rabbi Gamliel says to them the same thing he said before, we're embarrassed about this whole psak, which is, we're embarrassed that she's not allowed to sell something that really belongs to her. You're even bringing back some of the, some, bringing this halacha back to some of the old cases of when she's even only engaged. So therefore he says that she's really still allowed to sell it. And we'll see a little bit more about what that means once we get into the Gemara. We're two-thirds of the way down. We're still in the Mishnah on Ayin Ches and Aleph. The Gemara says as follows. Rib Shimon, Rib Shimon makes a distinction between the different types of nechassim that are possible. There's nechassim hayiduim labal. There are properties that the husband knows about that the wife owns. Let's say somebody uh, drops off a brand new car for her on the front grass. Here's an Escalade for your birthday. Her father drops it off and the deed is in her name. Okay, so then that's hers and it showed up and the husband knows about it. But then in such a case, Lotim Kor, that she's not allowed to sell against her husband's wishes. And if she tries to sell them and give away this nechse malug, the halacha is that it's batel, that the Kenyan doesn't work at all. And she can't sell that which doesn't belong to her. However, if she earned a property, let's say she gets in the mail uh, a deed to a property in Jamaica, and her father said, I'm hereby gifting you this piece of property in Jamaica, and the husband doesn't know about it. Okay, under those circumstances, it's also the halacha of Lotim Kor, but here, here the transaction would actually work. So Rabbi Shimon makes a distinction between properties that the husband knows about versus properties that the husband doesn't know about. The Gemara, six lines from the bottom of the page, opens with a question comparing the first and second cases in our Mishnah. 
In the first case of our Mishnah, it was a case where she earned property or where she received property before she was engaged. And in the second case, it was after she was engaged. In the first case, there was no machlokas. And in the second case, there was a machlokas based Shammai based Hillel. So the Gemara opens with that. Why is it that in the very first case of our Mishnah, when she wasn't yet engaged, and then she was gifted an orchard, whatever the case may be, there, there's no machlokas be shamayu be silo. Umaishna seifa, what about the next case, the seifa, really not the seifa, the end, but the next case in our Mishnah, depligi where be shamayu be silo argue. Why is it that the, the scope of their argument is only under certain circumstances? In other words, why don't they argue when she gets a property when she's single before she's engaged? The Gemara responds, Amre de be they answered in the base medrash of Rav Yanai, Reisha naflu. In the Reisha, she was a single girl. She wasn't engaged yet. And it, it, it's all hers. There's no one else to share it. She didn't get the property when she was engaged to anyone. There are no halachic ties between her and her husband-to-be. So if she gets a property 10 days before her before her engagement, the property is completely hers. There's no machlokas. Be shamay, be Everyone agrees she's allowed to sell that. In other words, it's not nichse malug. Nichse malug is something she brings into the marriage. It might be something that in theory she'll bring into the marriage, but we don't know when Prince Charming is coming along. That's her property right now. So in the ratio, there's no machlokas be shamay be Last short line. But Seifa, in regards to the next case where she's already engaged, there, bizchuso naflo. There, the property is partially his because they're halachically engaged. And we already have learned a couple of times in this masechta that... There are times that a husband might even be obligated in Mizonos to a wife after they're only engaged. So really, that's why there's a machlokas be shamay be in regards to a woman who gets property after she's engaged. Says the Gemara, I wait one second. If really they're fully married at that point, even though they're halachically engaged, but if you're saying that halachic engagement is enough to give him the rights to the nichse malug, then then when she tries to sell it, why does the transaction work? If you're saying that properties that she earned after she's engaged are treated as nichse malug, and really the husband has access to the payros of that nichse malug, so then how can she go and sell it? She has no right to sell something that isn't hers. So says the Gemara, Ella, you're right. Really, the better answer is like this. The Reisha, the first case in our Mishnah, everyone agrees that she is 100% the owner. She wasn't engaged yet. She maybe even wasn't even dating yet. She may have gotten it when she was 10 and she got married when she's 20. That piece of property, that orchard, whatever it is, doesn't belong to anyone other than her. And that's why there's no machlokas in the Reisha. But Seifa, in the case where she's already engaged, but not fully married, so then, says the Gemara, it's like chesi chesi a little bit. Like there's partial ownership for each. Seifa, Amar bischuso, Amar bischuso. I could argue that it's hers because she's not fully married yet. She's only engaged. And I can argue that she's that it's also partially his because she's engaged and not completely single. And therefore, lechatchila lo timkor, but kayam. And that's how the Gemara threads the needle, trying to solve for the distinction between the first two cases in our Mishnah, where in the Reisha there is no machlokas, and we assume it's completely hers, and the Seifa, where uh, there is a machlokas, because there they seem to both have uh, a little bit of a claim to the property. And then, as I had pointed out in our Mishnah, that Rabbi Yehuda seems to argue either on Beis Shammai or Beis Hillel, and this was case number two in our Mishnah on line three, we said that after a couple's engaged, Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel argue. Beis Shammai says that she's allowed to sell the Nechse Malug B'dievet. 
And Beis Hillel says she is um, not allowed to sell the nechsein miluk b'diyavet. And then Rabbi Yehuda argued against them. Asks the Gemara, Amr Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Amr Lefei Rabban Gamliel, who is Rabbi Yehuda arguing on? Ibayalahu, Rabbi Yehuda alechatchila, O adiyavad. Who is he arguing on? Is he arguing on Beis Shammai or is he arguing on Beis Hillel? As we turn to the top of Ayin Chesim at Beis, the Gemara provides a short answer. Tashma, we have a brisa. To Tanya, the brisa writes, and this is actually a tosefta which is found here in this parak. Titania, the Brysa writes, Amr Rabbi Yehuda, Amr Lifnei Rabban Gamliel, Hol Vizuishto since a woman who is engaged is considered a marriage to a great degree, and certainly a woman who's fully married is considered married, then Ma, there should be an added word here, Ma Zu Machra, just like if a uh, a married woman, a woman who's passed Nisuin, sells the Nechse Maluk Batel, Afzu, so too, Machra Batel. Afzu, even a woman who's only betrothed, only engaged, who tries to sell nechse maluk, that transaction also shouldn't work. Amar lahem, Rabban Gamliel says back to them, No, the transaction should work. So what does that show us about shitas? Rabbi Huda, that even it does not work, and that seems to be like the shita of Beis Hillel. Tanya, the Brysa writes, Amar Rebchanina ben Akavya, what we just saw as a response from Rabban Gamliel was not the response that was accurate. This was really the response of Rabban Gamliel. Lo, that's not correct. The distinction, that the, the comparison that you tried to make between a, uh, an engaged woman and a married woman is not really true. Imam Martin bin in regards to a woman who is fully married, Shekane Baila Zakai bin Seha, the husband benefits from any items she finds of a Maiseada and from her proceeds of a Hafaras Nidaran, he can be Mayfair her Nidaran. But Tomru be Arusa, when it comes to a woman who's engaged, Shein Bala, her husband does not Zakai Loba So he doesn't get any lost items she finds. So really, what we see from our Gemara is that Rabbi Huda's argument was really wrong. Rabbi Yehuda tried to say that just like a woman who's married, fully married, can't sell the nechsei maluk, so to a woman who's engaged. But the Gemara says a woman who's fully married and a woman who's only engaged, they're not halachically in the same boat. And then Amrulo, they said back to him, Rabbi, I don't understand. Machra, and we take out the word law, Machra ad says, if she sells it before she's, she's married, that's one conversation. But Niseis ve'achar kach machra, what if she's fully married and then she sells the property? Amar lahen, this would be viable. Actually, sounds like it's a from from doesn't say the word im. This would be a viable sale. We're going to see this line still a couple more times. I don't understand. Why would you say, why would you say that? Why would you say she's allowed to make that sale? After all, once they're fully married, how can she sell that which is not his? Doesn't he benefit? Says the Gemara, because the Chachamim had to put a limit. We're embarrassed about this in the first place. And you're bringing back some old conversations. So therefore, we are lenient and we assume that even after a woman is married and she sells her nechsei malug, that the transaction would work. It's as if it is completely hers. Asks the Gemara, how can you say that it seems to be that it's the chatchila that she's allowed to sell it? Rabban Gamliel Omer, im machravanas nakayim. Rabban Gamliel uses the language of im, which is always the language of bidyevet. If, if you sell it, then yes, then, it, then the sale counts. 
So how does the Gemara answer this? With two different answers. One is changing the text. To me, we really should change the language to Mocheres Benosenes Kaim. It's not a language of Bidiyeved. We get rid of the language of Im by Rabban Gamliel. And Rav Papa Amar Lokasha, that there's really a better answer. And there's just a machlokas in how to understand Rabban Gamliel. And in one case, it sounds Lechadchila. And in one case, it sounds Bidiyeved. But says the Gemara, if that's true, then Vireb Chanina ben Akavia kebe Shamai. Then it implies that Reb Akiva ben Chananya holds, Reb Chananya ben Akavia, excuse me, holds like the sheet of Beishamai, like we have in our Mishnah, who allows for this to be sold, Lechatchila, even after she's engaged. So that the Gemara says is not true. Hachi Kamar. Really, in that case, there was no machlokas over there. There's only a machlokas in other cases. And that's how the Gemara gets out of it. He's not holding like Beishamai. He's holding like both Beishamai and Beishilal. However, against all of these two shitas of Beishamai and Beishilal is Rav and Shmuel. Rav and Shmuel, Damre Tarvaihu, they, they disagree with what we've learned. Bein shenaflu lanachasim ad shaloni sarsa. Bein shenaflu lanachasim mishani sarsa. And then Venice says, whether or not she got these items into her possession as Nikhse Maluk before she was engaged or after, and then she got married, they have a very strict line. No matter what, the husband is allowed to go back to them and say, you had no right to sell this. It doesn't belong to you. These are partially mine. And she, he's allowed, the husband is allowed to go back to the, to the buyers and say, you had no right to sell this to me. Says the Gemara, Kiman, who is this Shita like? This doesn't fit with any of the approaches within Rabban Gamliel and doesn't fit with our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, you're absolutely right. Rav and Shmuel, Inhu, plural, they, they hold like a different sheet of the Tanaim as found in the Brisa. Two thirds of the way down on Ayin Chesamad Beis. The Tanya, the Brisa writes, the rabbis got together. And they um, they had a democratic vote, and they decided as follows, just like we saw in Rav and Shmuel a couple of lines ago, that that if she got these properties before she was engaged, or she got the properties after she was engaged, but then she fully got married, that she is no longer allowed to sell them. <laughs> but if she did sell them, the husband would then go to the buyers and say, I'm really sorry. My wife did not know what she was doing. She sold properties that she had no right to sell, and you need to give them back to me, and he would be in the right. We had said in our Mishnah that Mishanises, Elu Elu Modim, that they agree that once they're fully married, that's uh, the line in our Mishnah, that they agree that once they're fully married, that uh, that he can take it out of the hands of the Lukuchos. And the Gemara says, Lema Tanina, the Takanas Usha. This sounds a lot like what happened with Takanas Usha. Why does this Mishnah, our Mishnah, sound like Takanas Usha? Because, says the Gemara, this Gemara is, uh, we learned about it uh, on this in this Masechta already, somewhere else too? No? Yeah, but not ones that we learned, just um, Dafnun, it says. The Amar of Yosi Breb Chanina, Be'usha Hiskinu, Ha'isha Shemachra Benichse Meluk Bechai Baila Umesa, Habamotzi Miyad Halakuchos. That sounds very similar to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said that if a woman is married, that everyone agrees that if she sells the Nechse Maluk, he can go buy it. However, um, uh, the Anshe Usha seem to have said the same thing. Says the Gemara, there is a distinction between them, because after all, why would the people from Usha have to make a halacha when it's already coded in a Mishnah? The Gemara responds, 12 lines from the bottom, Masnisan, our Mishnah is dealing Bechayeha Ule Peros. Our Mishnah is dealing about when she's alive and the fact that he gets Peros. 
But Takanas Usha was talking about Begufa Shel Karka Ula Achar Misa, different part of the continuum. The Takanas Usha was saying that even after she dies, he can go back and claim properties that she sold. So if she sold an orchard and then she died, he can go back and say, listen, my wife made a mistake. Here's a document that shows that this used to belong to my wife. It overlaps with the time that we were married. Her father gave it to her and it's supposed to be Nechsei Malug and I'm supposed to be getting the payrolls. You're not allowed to be the owners of this. She made an error. And then they can take back the property. We had said at the end of our Mishnah, at the beginning of the Perak on the previous Amud, that Rav Shimon Cholek Bein Nechassim, that there's a distinction between properties that the husband knows about and properties that the husband doesn't know about. And if you look back at the Mishnah on Ayin Ches Aleph at the end of that Mishnah, you'll see that the Mishnah said that if the husband knew about it, she's not allowed to sell the Nechsei Malug. And even if she tries, it's a failed transaction. But if the husband doesn't know about the Nechsei Malug, she still shouldn't sell it. But at least there, the transaction is valid. And the Gemara now analyzes this Shita. Says the Gemara, How do we define, like everything else in Shas, scope and parameters, how do we define what's considered known to the husband and what's considered not known to the husband. The Gemara says, When we say something that's Yadua, that's something that's not only Yadua to him, it's Yadua to everybody who owns that piece of property. That woman, his wife owns that piece of property. She got it as from she got it as part of her Yerusha. But Sha'inan Yadu and Mitaltale. And maybe posits the Gemara, posits Rabbi Yosi Brebchamina, that what we're talking about of Ainan Yadun is Mitaltale is things that are not ground. Uh, cars, uh, TVs, all of those things are are considered metalatalin, and that's ainan yaduin. And if that's true, then the distinction would have then been in our Mishnah that if it's something that the husband knew about, namely karka, then she's never allowed to get away with selling that. But had it been metalatalin and she actually sold it, even though she shouldn't, the sale would count. However, Rav Yochanan doesn't agree that this is how we define Yaduin and Einan Yaduin. Rav Yochanan Omar, Elu Ve'elu Yaduin Hein. Both of those are Yaduin. Whether or not it's Metaltalin or Karka is not really relevant. <clears throat> Says the Gemara, Ve'elu Hein She'einan Yaduin. Here's how we define something that's not Yadua. Kol She'yosheves Khan, she lives here in Chicago. Ve'nafla la nechassim b'medina sayam. And she won in a lottery. She won a, won a massive estate in Jamaica. So send that. That's the Gemara says that is considered Ainan Yaduin. And she's technically allowed to sell that. And the transaction works. And if she does that, that's considered Ainan Yaduin. And then even if her husband complains and kicks and screams, the mice of the transaction works. And he has no access to the Lukuchos to buy it. So that's a machlokas between the Amorayim. But the Gemara then sides with her Yochanan. Tanya, five lines from the bottom, Tanya Nami Hachi. We have a brysa that defines Yudun and Einan Yudun just like Rabbi Yochanan did. And therefore, we define from our from this Gemara here, we define our Mishnah that when Rabbi Shimon at the bottom of our Mishnah said that there's a difference between properties that are yadua to a husband and properties that are not yadua to a husband, that bidyevit, if a woman sells a property that her husband doesn't know about and it's nichse malug, she is allowed to sell it bidyevit. It's not a good thing to do, but if she does it, the transaction is considered to be, uh, is considered to be valuable. And let's say there was a marriage that wasn't so good. Maybe she kind of saw the writing on the wall and she had nichse malug going into the marriage and she wants to hide it from her husband. Okay, so is that possible? 
in a halachic way. So says the Gemara, a little bit of a story. Three lines from the bottom on Ayin Chesim and Beis. Ha'hi itza, there was a woman, Deboya Savrachinhu Lenichsa Migavra, that she wanted to chase away, really hide in context. She wanted to hide the Nichsein Malu, her properties that she's bringing into the marriage from her husband. Uh, shielding, you know, uh, putting in one of those countries like the Cayman Islands that only supposedly don't have any rules. I don't know if that's actually true. Just every movie says it. Is that true? There is something about the war that came out, the domicile there and our differences, but it's not like it's the Wild West. It's not the Wild West. It's not the Wild West, but there right. is a lot more. You should just know that my entire understanding of the Cayman Islands is from movies. So I have no clue what's true and what, and I don't watch, I don't even watch movies, of course, but had I watched movies. A very legitimate company that domiciled in the Cayman Islands, although they ended up moving it because everybody thought what you thought. Yeah. It just seemed inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. But it cost them like real taxes. Yeah. Huh? Smart girl, smart girl Ethereum. Not so smart today. Yeah, that's what the news is saying. So she wanted to hide her nichsay maluk. She didn't want to bring the the family's assets into the marriage. So you know what she did? Ksavtinhu uh, lebrate. She wrote lebrata. She wrote it off to her daughter in a star called the star mavreches, which is basically a loophole. I'm giving it to you to hold on to because if this marriage doesn't work out, I don't want to lose out on anything. Uh, so maybe they should go to they should go to couples therapy. And, but the star of that's exactly what the Gemara is going to discuss. Actually, so this is presupposing it's the second marriage, right? Well, she's a daughter. If she has a daughter, then yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it could be the same one. Could be. Could be unless she, as long as she didn't marry someone in between. Could be. Anyways, the Gemara says in Siba Igrasha. So this mother who who <laughs> rode away. That what? Oh, okay. is that enough, Kamina? What's the difference? What's the difference if it's the same husband again? I understand, but what's the difference if it's the same husband remarried? There should be no enough, Kamina. Yeah. Well, yeah. But why would Rashi say Alman? I wonder if Maxim It's not Maxim Rushaso, it's Mutter. But it, I presume the same rules of Nechse Malug apply to an Almana as they would to a Basula. Okay, anyways, that, that requires research in Rashi then. In Siba V'Igrasha, she got married and then she got divorced, top of and Aleph. And then she, the mother wanted to get her money back. She's like, okay, sweetheart, that marriage was one and done, 72 days. I'd like to get my money back. And the daughter's like, uh, daughter. That's not her husband's daughter. Who says that it's, what does one thing have to do with the other? If she, get, if she writes it to her daughter, yeah. Also the daughter of her husband. Uh, what if she's married? What if she's married? The daughter. Whatever. I'm just saying it's not, uh, I, I guess it could be. Yeah. Yeah, it is cleaner that way. It is cleaner that way. That's for sure. Okay. She has it from before the marriage. Yes, she's getting married and she's hiding it before. So it's either a second marriage or master. That's what we're discussing. Is there a difference between an almana and, and a basula? I'm sorry, a master grushaso and, uh, and an almana. Okay. Says the Gemara, the mother and daughter, Nebuch, go to Bezdin. The mother's trying to get her million dollar uh, estate in Jamaica back from her daughter, which was just a fake uh, charade on paper. Asay Lakame de Rav Nachman. 
They went in front of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman sees the Shtarma of Reches. The mom wrote on a napkin, I hereby uh, give over my property to my daughter. And Kare Rav Nachman Lashtara. He tears it up in front of the daughter and says, come on, come on, this is ridiculous. It's a Shtarma of Reches. Everybody knows that this belongs to the mother and doesn't belong to the daughter. And now Rav Anan was watching this. Also Rav Anan lekame de Marukva. Rav Anan was complaining to Marukva Marlei. Chazi Mar Nachman. Did you see what, what Mar Nachman did? Chakla, this worker. He just tears up people's staros. So Marukva was uh, was concerned. You know, they threw the yellow flag on the field. Amarle, Ema Li Easy, please tell me Gufa de Uvda Hechihaba. Tell me all of the details of the story. So they repeated the story. This woman was getting married. She didn't want her Nikhsim Maluk to get all tangled up in the marriage. And uh, now she wants her back, wants the money back from Ashtar Mavrechas. Amarle, Hachiba Hachihava, this was the story. Amarle, Shtar Mavrechas Kamris. He says to Rav Onan, are you telling me that the case where Rav Nachman tore up the star was a case of a star mafreches, this little, you know, hide away the money with my daughter type of deal? He said, I'm a Everyone agrees you should tear it up. So no problem at all. And Rav Onan was wrong and he was called out. <laughs> Wasn't Rav Onan the one who called Rav Huna Huna? Does anyone remember? It was just Rav Anand, Rav Anand, Rav Anand. Pretty sure it was Rav Anand. I believe you're right. Because he's causing a lot of problems. I wonder if this is like a personality. <laughs> was it on an, at the bottom of an Amit base? Wow, very good. I think. Well, when you make the mistake that I made, it's a little bit more memorable. But I called, <laughs> I called Rav Huna Huna. All right, let's let's not spend more time on it. I think it was ten blot ago, probably more. So then the Gemara says, "Amar le Rava le Rav Nachman." All right, you'll have to tell me later. We're almost there because we gotta make sure we get everyone in mark. Amar le Rava le Rav Nachman. Time am I, Rav Nachman? Why did you tear up the star? Because I, everyone knows that this star had to have been just for the sake of hiding it. No one would give over all of their primary assets to another person. Says the Gemara, yeah, that's true in general to people outside of the family. However, but when it comes to a child, if only our children knew how much we give to them, then uh, things would probably be different and they won't know until they're in their own scenario, putting their kids through day school and trying to pay bills at the same time. Says the Gemara, even when it comes to one's daughter, someone is not going to give away all of their primary assets. I know someone who lives in their childhood home. They bought it from their parents. Why didn't the parents give it to them? Because it's their primary asset. You have to charge it, give them a discount, whatever. But you, you're still going to charge them for the house. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mesve the Gemara asks, We have a specific brisa that asks this question, a tosefta in the next parak, that if a woman wants to <laughs> hide her nichse malut from her husband, what should she do? The Gemara says, A star pasim is from the word pius. It's just to appease someone. Can you just legally just hold my property for the next little while? However, the Chachamim said, However, that person <laughs> really could run away with, with their money. 
<laughs> Unless they write in the star that it's from today until I want it back. The only reason why he can't take the property is if, in fact, he wrote that. Then the person who they gave the star pius to can actually be Kona that thing. So, how then does that actually work? How does the star pius work? You leave out those words, they get to keep everything. When is it that we have an obligation to use the language of so that's only the mikzasa, but if you're selling a whole property, then everyone understands that you're supposed to get it back. Says the Gemara, but if in fact the person who you're writing the star pius to doesn't actually make a Kenyan, they don't actually acquire the property, then by definition, then the nichse maluk should fall to where it rightfully belongs, which is the property of her husband. Amar Abaye, no. The Chachamim were asom ki nechasim she'en yaduan lebal ve'aliba derib shimen. They treated those nechasim as though they were enan yaduan lebal, halachically speaking. We turned it into something that, that our Mishnah on the bottom of Ayin Chesim Adalaf referred to as en yaduan lebal, that the husband doesn't have access to them like that estate that she gained in Jamaica. And that's like the Shita Rib Shimon who is the author of that Shita at, the, at our Mishnah. Let's begin the next Mishnah and begin the Gemara, and then we'll stop about five lines from the bottom of the page. Let's say Naflulak Safim. She didn't get uh, a normal type of, uh, you know, she didn't get an orchard which has literal payroll. She just got a, a lump of cash. So how does the husband translate that into Nechse Maluk? The husband's not really allowed to have access to the primary Karen, to the principal. He's only allowed to benefit from that which is grown from the Karen. So the Gemara says, They should take the money, buy property, then she gets to keep the, the Karka, but he gets to benefit from anything that grows from the Karka. What about Peros HaTzlushin Minak Karka? What if they were given... Um, a whole tree branch or a tree that was cut down that has fruits on it. So then all of that is Karen. Even the fruits on that are Karen. That's all principal. And therefore they sell it. And you lakach ben karka bu ochel peros. What about peros hamechubar and bekarka? She got uh, trees that are in the ground that still have, that already have fruits on them. Amareb meir, shaman osa, we evaluate how much the tree is worth with fruit, how much the tree is worth without fruit. And in regards to the fruits themselves, he has to sell that value. Let's say the tree was $5,000 and the fruits are $500. He buys $500 worth of land, and then he can benefit from that which grows from there. No. That which is attached to the karka belongs to him. And that which is separated belongs to her. And with, the, with his money, with the mechubarim, then he can sell it and he can buy <coughs> peros in order to, uh, in order he can buy uh, land in order to get the peros from the land. Rib Shimon Omer, and we'll translate this a little bit more uh, in, in the coming days. Rib Shimon Omer, Makom Shiyafe Kocho Bichnisasa, that which is good for a husband when he enters a marriage, Hura Kocho Bichnisasa is bad when he leaves a marriage. And as well, Makom Shahura Kocho Bichnisasa, the opposite is also true. If it's a, a low standing when he enters the marriage, Yafe Kocho Bichnisasa, then it would be good for him when the marriage ends. Ketzad, what's the case? When the fruits are they're attached to the ground, then then that's that's to his benefit. But because it's the principle, it really does belong to her. He can just benefit from it while it's 
while they're in their marriage. If in the beginning of the marriage he gets fruits that are attached to a tree, but the tree is not attached to the ground, that belongs to her. And that's her principle. And we'll see later in the Gemara why this is the case, but then he gets to keep that. And the Gemara is just trying now for the next two lines in very, very short order to try and compare uh, which types of properties are better? Pshita says the Gemara, Ara ubiti. If you have land or house, Ara. It's better to have the it's better to have the the, the ground than it is to have the house. I think uh, in a neighborhood like ours, some lots are are actually bigger than thirty feet. Wow! The person who sold me my house did not understand. They were char- they charged way under market. We have an extra ten feet to the side of our house, which isn't that much. But in West Rogers Park, it's a it's a third of a lot. So it's a driveway, which is what we were zochet to. It's a driveway, and it's also all the way to the alley. So we have a little bit more room until we hit Scotty Shayer's fence. Okay. And then what about, uh, says the Gemara, about bate uh, vidikle, if you have a house or if you have a, a tree, obviously bate, you can keep that, the house is better. Dikle ilane, if you have these specific palm trees versus other kinds of trees, dikle, the palm tree is more worthwhile. Ilane vikufne, if you have trees versus vines, which one should you pick, the trees or the vineyard? The Gemara says, ilane, we should take the trees. We'll stop right here. We'll pick up on Shabbos at the bottom of Ayantesim and Aleph, wishing you all a beautiful night. Just to confirm there's nothing tomorrow. Nothing tomorrow.